Welcome to Tice Talks. We are excited to be back because in our office today, the Master Pastor Tice is with us. Well, I don't know if I call you me Master Pastor, but it is great to be back in Las Vegas, Nevada, and being able to do Tice Talks with uh, with you, Charity, and with uh, my wife is our here. Special the, our special guest. She is here with us this she morning. She just gave you the evil eye. I know. She doesn't want to be recognized the fact that she's here. My wife is a very quiet person when it comes to doing things up front, but she, is she a has wealth so... of wisdom. Oh, she is. She just uh, has got so much to say, and uh, we're glad that she's here, and Grace is with us, and so we're looking forward to this edition of Tice Talks. How was your tour? Your the summer tour, tour. The tour was phenomenal. We met some wonderful preachers doing some great works. I think we were, in total, we were gone uh, seven weeks, and we were in 12 different ministries. Now, I didn't present in every ministry, but uh, every ministry we were in were just, it was thrilling. We were we got to be at Maranatha Baptist College with uh, Maranatha Baptist University now mm-hmm. with Marty Marriott. And uh, what a wonderful servant of God. And uh, Matt Davis, we were at Calvary Baptist Church there. And you also had two little visitors during two of your weeks. That's right. I got to, we got to be with, uh, we had, who did we have with us? We had Lincoln. <laughs> And, and we cherish. and cherish and had a great my time. My kids, with they them. got to because we were headed to a mission trip. My parents voluntarily took two of my children. My mom just looked over and said they were so much fun, but they really enjoyed their time going with you and going being at those different ministries. Yeah, they so. flew to Ohio. We picked them up in Cleveland. And that was a little stressful. I mean, yeah. thinking I got to make sure that I'm right there on a time. Seven in and Cleveland. nine-year-old traveling by themselves. That yes. is not something I highly recommend. Yeah, but so, they did great. They did great, and they walk them right to the door, and they won't release them to anybody except the designated releasees, I guess. Yeah. And so, so it was it was them. totally safe. And yeah. it was good. But we had a great time. Yeah. It was so a great time. now, bringing us back to Ty's talks. Last time our episode was Josh and I, and we were talking about how we how dating happened in high school for us and what was allowed. And that was a lot of fun reminiscing of all the different things that we did. Sort of what wasn't allowed. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So So we went, we had, we had so much fun talking about that. And we promised our listeners that the next Tice Talks would be about how you all really, you and mom really together um, built those ideas and those standards into our own home and how you did that because every home is different um, but they all need biblical standards set within their own for their own home so we're going to talk a little bit about that today we're talking about teen and young adult dating so the first thing i wanted to ask is what does the bible specifically say about dating does it have anything? Uh, does it say yeah. anything specific about dating? Well, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt date at the age of whatever, and the Bible doesn't even use the term dating. Uh, the Bible talks about in First Corinthians chapter seven, uh, the the Corinthians were very very concerned about um, these people had gotten saved, and they'd gotten saved uh, in a they'd gotten saved after a life of doing whatever they wanted to do. I mean, right? And am, am I right in thinking that? 
their like even their the religious worship all had to was surrounded by immorality and fornication. Yes, yes. And, that would be more so in Ephesus okay. than in Corinth. Corinth was just the wicked Las Vegas of the day. Okay, and uh, so there was no restrictions, mm-hmm. and there was nobody saying this is what you should do, or you shouldn't do. So after these people get saved. And they're thinking, all right, we know that there's supposed to be one man and one woman for one lifetime. What do we do? Because we've been with people Yeah, before. give us some example we've, of what we should follow. Yeah, so okay. they, write, they write a letter to Paul and they say, hey, look, how do we avoid sexual sin? The word fornication is used in the King James. How, how do we avoid sexual sin? And so he writes back to them and gives them specific instructions in and in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 1 through, I think, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so the, um, as specifically, he says, look, uh, concerning the things you've wrote unto me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Uh, it's good to keep your hands to yourself. If you want to avoid uh, m- um, moral impurity, uh, then it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Right. With that in mind, we thought we need to teach our children to just keep their hands off each other until they're in a serious relationship, pr- planning on marrying an individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also knew from the Old Testament, contrary to what our culture has taught us, a child is still a child and accountable to his her parents or his parents until they're 20 years old. At the age of 20, in the Exodus, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and were heading into uh, the promised land. You know the story. They, um, the, ch- the children of Israel disobeyed God, wouldn't go into the, uh, into the promised land, were afraid. Uh, Caleb and Joshua came out and said, hey, uh, uh, we can, God, God, God wants to do this and we, we should follow God. And the other 10 spies said, no. And they were afraid. And all the children of Israel said, we don't want to go in there. We're going to get killed. So God said, okay, because of your rebellion, all those that are 20 years of age and older are going to die in the wilderness. All those that are 19 years of age and younger are not. So there's there's an accountability factor there. Then when you come into... So that was saying that the yeah. 19 and under, you're, you're, uh, you're your parents... Your parents you're following under your parents. That's right. And we're not holding, God isn't holding them accountable for, for their, their actions. For their actions. And, that. and that's in multiple places. In, in Leviticus, the Bible mm-hmm. says over and over, those that are 20 years of age and older are able to go forth to war. Yeah. So God considers you a child until you're uh, 20 years of age. Mm-hmm. And then you, God, you're directly accountable to God. That doesn't mean that if you're still in your parents' home, you're not responsible to them but there is a there's a change in the way God looks at you you're no longer a child you're an adult well then if uh, marriage and um, the marriage relationship is for adults Mm -hmm. and and marriage uh, I don't know where I heard this but years ago somebody said every date's a possible mate right well I'm not interested in my my 15-year-old mating, right? Uh, you know, and I'm not, so I'm going to, I'm going to wait till they're adults or at least until they're at a point where they can start working towards and taking care of each other the, and being able to thrive in a society that, that we have. That's exactly today. right. We had a girl in our, in our youth department when uh, our church was probably only about 10 years old. And it was a girl who was very, very 
close to your mother and I. And she said, she came to me. Actually, it was one of my nieces. And she came to me and she said, Uncle David, she said, I wish you would talk to my mom and dad. She said, I'm 15. And she said, they're telling me that I can't date until I'm 16 years old. And she said, would you please, and she just sweet girl she said would you please explain to them what the bible says and i said i'd be happy to do that i'll be happy to take care of that and she said well what are you going to say to them i'm going to say to them listen my girls are not going to date until they're at least 18 years old and they're going they're off in bible college serving the lord and she looked at me and her eyes got really big and she said oh uncle david please don't talk to my parents (laughs) never mind We didn't Not, have this conversation. We, so, so we took we took we took those truths from the Word of God. Good for a man not to touch a woman. We tried to teach instill in you, and your brothers and sisters, uh, the that that physical the physical relationship is for marriage. So that's what made you to decide, hey, we want to create some kind of dating standards for our own kids and for our own family, like. You saw you saw people in your life. You saw the Bible, what the Bible said, and then you saw um, different people and the choices that they made. And you said, "Hey, uh, this is what we're going to do." Because of that, yes. Is that what you're well, saying? we had the Bible, and we had when, and then we yes, we did have instruction. We the wonderful thing is that God, while we were in college, allowed us to get some structure from people. Uh, Mom didn't have any uh, real instruction except, you know, stay away from guys. And, right. and I I had no instruction whatsoever. I was just looking for the next girl to kiss. I mean, right. that was just the deal <laughs> right. uh, when I was a kid. And so, uh, I mean, I thought that's what a date was. A date was right. you go out, you take her to a movie and kiss her because I saw Cary Grant do that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <So> <laughs> some movie that do. I watched when I was a kid. Right. Nobody nobody gave us any instruction. We went to college and found out, I found out in college that God looks at you as 18 years old is still a child under your, and I thought, this is crazy. And so I went to several different pastors to find out whether that was true or not. And, and, the, 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 and Bible professors, and I, <laughs> every Bible professor said, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I thought, man, am I got a warped view? And then uh, I, I, there was these rules and regulations, you know, at college that I never heard of. You had to be in your room at ten thirty at night. You had to be, um, you, you, and and when it came to girls, you weren't allowed to hold hands with a girl. You weren't allowed to kiss a girl. And I thought, why? This is all brand new. Somebody finally took me to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and then God gave us some wonderful professors. There was a man named Bob who taught a class called Successful Living. Did you and mom go to this class together? And mom and together? I went to the class together. Yeah. Oh, that's neat. So you and could say, where you date, you were, we were I mean, I know you were dating like after the first week. You yeah, met, well, as soon as I saw her, I was in love with her. I asked her to marry me. To and I met her in October, asked her to marry me in November. Yeah, and I know. <laughs> I wish mom would tell the story of how she how she got you to sit beside her. How she her. manipulated yes. the circumstances. <laughs> yep, she sure did. So it's sh- quite a fun story. Should, should I tell the story? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so here's the story. Um, I was, uh, we met, I had gone to college and decided that 
I wasn't going to talk to a girl for four years. I wasn't going to be around a girl. That's right. I was going to focus on Jesus and love Jesus and serve Jesus. So I was, I was, that was my. You were going to be a Catholic priest. (laughs) That was a monk in a monastery for, from the time I got there for four years, then I would, then I'd look at a girl because I knew that I would be distracted and I'm very easily distracted if you know me at all. So so especially when there's a there's beautiful blue eyes looking at me. So uh, I um, I I made that commitment I, in, in my heart, and I told the Lord, "I'm I'm just what I'm going to do." Uh, that was in September. I was working my way through college by doing dishwashing, and uh, uh, and so every morning at five thirty in the morning, I'd get up and we would go to the dishwashing room uh, on our campus, and I would wash dishes. Well. Uh, our our campus was a divided campus. There was a place where the classes were at Thomas Road Baptist Church, and we lived on the island on Treasure Island, which was a youth camp during the summer, and it was it served as our dorms during the winter. Uh, and we would ride buses from the from the dorm to the class campus, which meant if you were going to ride buses, you had to carry all your books with you because you didn't want to go back and forth several times during right. the day between classes. So you had to carry all your books. Now, Did they not have backpacks invented then? No, no backpacks. Okay, that invented. is hilarious. I was joking. No, they no, really didn't no have backpacks. Back- Did you know that, Grace? So, so some, some people, wow. some people could afford briefcases. Wow. But uh, we didn't. Oh, that's why they would have like a belt around the books you see in the old little cartoons. That's it. That's it. Oh, wow. Way back in yes. the ancient days during the Stone Age. Right. <laughs> I, I carried clay tablets. Women weren't supposed to have the belt around the books. That was dorky. Mom's looking at me and telling me that women did not. You just you had to fumble your whole big books all together. So here here's the deal. So she w- watched me washing dishes. I tell people all the time. She saw me washing dishes in the morning. That's having, my man. Having fun. She said, <laughs> "I need a guy that'll wash dishes the rest of his life." And so, so she she saw me and she spotted me and I would talk to her because you know she was there. And then she, so uh, she is a meticulous, detailed person. She puts things in order. Order, and and she thinks me. I'm a last minute, fly by the seat of your pants guy. And my wife, if something's going to be done, she's going to be there first and make sure she's there first. On time. Me, me, I'm going to uh, get there at the last minute. So she watched my life, and she saw. He goes and washes dishes, and then afterwards he goes back to his room, and then uh, he gets on the bus. The very last thing he's when everybody else is standing in line. I hate standing in line. It's like the so, airport. So you're yeah. not going to stand in line when your number's called. You're waiting till the, everybody gets in. That's it. Then you can then go I'm walk going into in. the airport. Airplane. So what I'm doing is I'm in my room, and I can see the bus. And as soon as as soon as the there's nobody standing in line in the bus anymore, then I run out there and I get I'm the last person on the bus. On the other hand, your mother was the first person on the bus, and so as getting as uh, she would get there uh, early in the morning, be the first person on the bus, and uh, and uh, knowing that I was going to hit that bus and I was going to get on that bus, and uh, so she would wait. She would get she'd go down about four or five six seats. And I can remember this all, always on the left-hand side. And she would sit down, and she'd take all those, that pile of books, 
and and put it right next to her. Then she'd turn and look out the window, and uh, like. And so people would walk by, and they, nobody wanted to say to this cute little girl, can you move hey, your books would you so please move your, move your books? So she, she would just leave them there. And the plan was that they would stay there until I got on the bus. And when I got on the bus, she would wait till I was getting right Clever near that seat. Girl. She would pick them up, <laughs> put them in her lap, and just look out the window. And I thought, I thought day after day, I thought, why doesn't anybody want to sit next to this girl? <laughs> and, she, and we would sit there, and she would talk, and I thought... This must be God. Now, uh, the uh, we we got we got to church. We got or we got to the class, and our first class was together, and our last class of the day was together. So we so ride rode up, home. So we ride home too. together. I didn't know that. So we so the deal was. I said, God, this girl, you, you just keep putting me with this girl. So maybe maybe I I made this vow in vain, and I went to my to my roommate and I said to my roommate his name was Wayne Brown Wayne if you ever hear this contact me I'd like to find out what you've done with your life but anyway <laughs> Wayne said I said Wayne I keep seeing this girl I, and I told him about Anna and he said oh I've seen her yeah I've seen you with her I said you know but I told God that I'm not going to date anybody for four years I said how do I know whether I was right or wrong he said well listen I hope you don't date her because if you don't ask her out I'm going to ask her out. And I took that as from God. <laughs> so I better ask her out. And so uh, thence we spent the last 48 Aww. years of our lives together. Oh, so, I love that. That's so, so cool. So four years you... later, we got married. And the last 44 years, we've been together. Dated four years. That's yeah. crazy. So how did you, okay, and neither one of you, you both came from homes that weren't ideal. No. Um, your dad had passed away when you were 10. Um, her, her dad wasn't in the picture growing up since she was about five. So now you're at college. So neither one of you had like no, guidance. What we did have is that class I was talking that, that yes, I started talking the, about. Yes. The class. That, that class, he, he started talking about how we need to behave ourselves. And then we decided as we were t- sitting together that we would take this class, uh, that was taught by uh, a man named Larry Coy, uh, he taught on how to have a successful marriage. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, let's go in and listen to that. And he talked about, oh, just over and over again about uh, how to stay pure and keeping your hands off. And, and he was an older man right. that had kids himself. Yes, uh-huh. And so they were explaining to you what they did with their own kids. Yes. So it was the example of, look, this is what's what we're doing with our kids. These are the biblical principles we've taken and created our own standards in our life. And this is what we're doing with our children. And this is a really good idea right. for you to do. And frankly, Jerry Falwell himself was a great example. Yeah. Because he had three children. Mm-hmm. He was loving his children. He spent time with his children. And and uh, th- there's... And, and he loved his wife, and yeah. so there was there was a lot of examples that were in front of us. Doctor and Mrs. Wemp were uh, were examples right. to us, and so so getting that information, I think a lot of times people don't even know. You know, we just go at it, you know, hoping I don't know what I'm doing. I hope hope it all works out right. But seeking out people that are doing it and are trying to follow biblical advice, those who are either there in that situation or have surpassed you. And they've gone through it like like you. You've done it with five. You and mom have raised five kids. Five children, yeah. And we've had uh, that all love Jesus. There's been 
cons, pros and cons going through it. it but it wasn't this huge guessing game no, because, because you used had, biblical standards. You followed. We, go ahead. You. We had our teachers at school. Beyond that, we had books that, that were suggested to us. Uh, we we uh, we wanted to know about Bible standards, and so I can remember mo- your mom and I reading a book a book by John R. Rice mm-hmm. about. It was called John R. Rice Answers Your Questions. Okay. And so he went through questions about why dress a particular way or why not to dress a particular way, mm-hmm. and that was really good because he was just answering questions, and right. you could look things up and find out. It's in the, the multitude answer. of counselors. There's safety. That's You're right. going and getting counsel from this is what I would do. Then this God raised up James Dobson, mm-hmm. and oh, James yeah. Dobson came along with some wonderful books about you know how to raise a strong-willed child. Uh, which you would know nothing no. about, but uh-huh. uh, how to raise a strong-willed <laughs> child, how to uh, uh, parenting boys and parenting girls, and just really, really uh, some good books. The, uh, getting, getting personal instruction, taking classes, um, reading books, all were very, very helpful in helping us Something decide. you told me a long time ago, you said, you know, because um, we were looking at books and we were saying, oh, that person really messed up their life in ministry. It just They just, not just in ministry, but they, they've just totally fallen. But something you said really has stuck out to me. You said, what's important is knowing what they taught biblically. That is not wrong. They did not follow what they were teaching biblically. So it doesn't mean if there's a book that you read and you were following it and you're like, oh, this was good. This was good, helpful advice that, okay, now, oh, that person that wrote it, now I'm going to reject everything yeah, that they the ever taught. Yeah, the council culture. Yeah, you don't because— thro- You don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Yeah, just if they taught something that was biblical, it wasn't theirs. It was what God—it's yeah. something from the Bible. That's very helpful to me when just— being teachable, you know, reading books and learning from people that may have some a different standard on things than I do, or they may have like you, because it's very it's very frustrating when a leader that you love and admire and have followed, and they've lived total opposite yeah. to what um, it's frustrating, it's depressing. But then you're like, no, you know what? The biblical truths that are taught, those are always truth. That's right. Just because somebody chose to teach them and not actually live them doesn't that we were in your office. This was a years ago. We were in your office and you have so many books. And you're like, we were just pointing out, like, oh, that that person doesn't even, you know, they died not even loving the Lord or whatever. And that was such an encouragement to me that truth is always truth. It doesn't matter if somebody chose to say it and then not follow it but truth is always truth and that we don't need to it's not the man that matters it's what it's following god that really matters so um anyway that was really helped to me because we're going to have and in our next session we're going to talk about specifically rejoicing through trials because there is a lot of trials going on in our culture in our in different ministries and personal families and how can we still rejoice we don't need to still walk around like eeyore you know like because i've i've i had one friend that just uh shared the other day how can anybody go and do anything happy and fun with their family right now and i thought you know what we the bible teaches we're supposed to rejoice throughout the trials we can still live our lives there's been bad things happening 
all throughout the last 2,000 years. Yeah, you know, the last 6,000 6, years. 6,000 years, yes. If you can't have fun in the midst of trials, then you can't have fun. Yes. I, I remember during the COVID time, we, we just we took advantage of it. I'm locked of in. what was going yeah, on. Yeah. But we're going to talk about that in our the, next let the, episode. Let the uh, grandkids come over and, right, and, and just we'll, play. Right, and we'll enjoy some so, things. But um, how did, back to, back to um, you know, teens and dating, um, if I personally, so let's say, you know, you, de- you develop you, you follow what people have done and you've developed your own personal standards for your kids and dating and you've explained it to them. And um, like I, I have heard people say, you know, they'll share like their child is 13, 14 and they're like, oh, my kid wants to go on a date. Well, how did you prime us? Because I never thought at 13 or 14, oh, I get to go on a date when I'm 13 or 14. Like that wasn't even, it was already primed in my mind. How did you guys develop that into our hearts that, you know, when we were little kids, what did you do to teach us that we're not going to, it wasn't even a question in my mind. Well, your mother always told you that I would help you find out the the one that God had for you. Mm-hmm. And we taught this principle and just taught it that from the from uh, that that dating is or that dating is for us is spiritual and that that the engagement is social interaction and that in marriage you have physical interaction um, I think the fact that we just constantly said if we we're watching a movie together and and he kissed her we would say Oh, they're not. They're not engaged. They're not getting married. He shouldn't be they kissing shouldn't her. They shouldn't be doing that. And we we talked specifically about that. And I think we just over and over and over said. So you emphasize it since we were little before it was yeah. even in our minds. Yes. You introduced it and said, "Oh, people shouldn't when, date till they go to college." In, right. That's they, what, when, That's all I ever. That's the thing that I remember being ingrained into my brain. Yeah. That you people should. You go to college. You shouldn't. You shouldn't date until. You're ready to get married right. because every date's a possible mate. So that's something that you should ingrain. If you're listening, you have little ones. You start ingraining, ing, ingraining that now into there. So then it's not even a question when they're 14, 15, 16. Yeah, they don't e- have to. Everybody say, else is right. Well, it's how like, come well, they can't? How come we can't? Just like my kids know. No, you don't get a cell phone until you till you need one. No, nope. yeah. and you won't need one until you're driving by yourself and need to know how to get. And then it'll be. It'll be very. It'll be a different cell phone than what everybody else has. So you answer the question before the question is asked. Oh, that's really good. And if you'll, if you, if you take care of that, and you're putting that in them, and it's not a matter of I just can't afford a cell. We can't afford right. a cell phone. It's that we don't think this is good for that's you, it. and yes. we're doing what is best for you. Right. And I remember having a conversation with Matthew one time. Matthew. Uh, walked out the front door all of his friends were going to go over to a particular place they were going to have fun together playing volleyball and uh, I said well there's going to be a bunch of girls there well I don't know I said well they're going to be girls there well yeah I said and you're going to be there at what, what what parents are there and he said well I don't think there's going to be any parents I said well then you can't go he said he said why? And then he he said to me, Dad. He said, I thought that as a teenager you're supposed to th- sow your wild oats, and then the and then whatever that means. Uh, yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he said, he said, and then the rest of your life, you look back at your teenage years and you say, those were the greatest years of my life. Now, now he's asking me the question, and he's and he's really, why doesn't he get to do what everybody else is doing? Mm-hmm. So, I said, I said, well, I'm glad you 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 asked me that question. Let's go for a walk. So we walked all around the block, and I said, let me explain to you. I said, do you think that we have a good relationship? Do you think do you do we have fun in our family? Oh yeah. Does it? Do you know people that have as much fun as we do? No, we really do have a lot of fun. I said, okay. I said. People that sow their wild oats as teenagers do have fun, but your teenage years are five, six, seven years. You get seven years in your teenage years. And what happens is people sow their wild oats, and then for the next 50 years, they look back and say, wow, I had a great time as a teenager. And they're disliking their life. Yes, and they're, but their life is miserable. Right. I said, what you're going to do is we're going to control your life during your teenage years. And I said, one of these days you're going to get married and you're going to spend the rest of your 50, li- 50 years having a great life. I said, if you learn to control your life during these seven years, you're going to have a wonderful life the rest of your life. I said, uh, I, the other day I heard your brother say, uh, when somebody asked him how things going, he said, just living the dream. Hmm. Well, that's the reality. And that's reality for all of you <clears throat> because you controlled yourself. And it, it's it's so important we teach our children when they ask the questions and before they ask the questions that this is what's best for your life. Hmm. So then, so... Um, and having those conversations and, and yes. not just being the authority... What, authoritarian? Authoritarian, yeah, yes. Yeah, just being the person says, this is because of what I say. You took the time to take a walk and spend hours with your son explaining. One last question. Um, where, um, if let's say I have, I'm just listening to this and I'm just learning these things and I have a 14 or 15-year-old that I've allowed to, you know, I just went with what everybody else in the world was doing what advice would you give me um if i was saying hey we want to do this right now what what could i do how can i approach my my teenage daughter or teenage son now parenting is a is a continual learning process you don't uh, you don't get a few opportunities to practice and then throw those kids away and then uh, now you got it right um, so when you make mistakes, you need to be honest with your kids. Uh, there were times that we would come home from a parenting conference and we would say, listen, we learned some things. In fact, I can remember you guys saying to us one time, I wish, I hate it when you come home from a parenting conference <laughs> because you're going to hear, because we're, we would sit down and say, listen, we, uh, we're imperfect and we've been doing some things wrong. And I want to ask you to forgive me for, for, for allowing you to do some things. And that things we, are going to change. Yes. You're like, I don't want change. <laughs> it's and okay. Do the things so, wrong. <laughs> so I humbled, we humbled ourselves as parents, and you need to do that. Humble yourself as, before your children. Say, this is what we've been doing wrong, and we realize this is not good for you, and we want to do what's good for you. Well, how come you did it when you were a kid? Yeah, and we've suffered the consequences for those things that we did wrong as a kids. And we don't want you to have to suffer those consequences. Mm. So 
we're going to put some limitations on you. We're going to, these are things that we've been allowing. We're not going to allow these things anymore. This is what's going to happen. And make that distinction and then tell them this is where we're moving on. That we, Mom, uh, Mom is joining in, but she won't say it out loud. So My wife just looked over at me and said, positive replacement. You don't take away the negative mm-hmm. without giving a positive. Right. And so. And what pr- we talked about in the last episode was how we had family fun times. It wasn't like, okay, well, you've been dating this girl now for a year, and now we're cutting her dry out of this yeah. house. And because we just learned you shouldn't be dating. Well, it's like how we talked. To, yeah. We talked how we mocked what we called family fun family times. Family fun times. Yes. Yeah, it was a big joke. But, so if you have questions about that, go back to the last episode. But it was specifically. And we didn't. Uh, we did not. We allowed our got girls and guys to in, interact right. with group groups t- together. Mm-hmm. So you could have called that group dating. Right. And I don't care whether you call it dating or courting whatever or whatever you, you do. It, yeah. It's just. It just wasn't exclusive. It's friends. You can be friends with guys and girls, and it, and it's not going to be an exclusive thing. And and you can you can get together, but there's not going to be, you are not going to fall in love, right. w- with somebody, and you're not going to have a, w- one particular guy. And then we had, we had um, uh, things at church like Valentine banquets and right. Christmas banquets and things, and and you guys would dress up and go out and do those kind of things. So, All right. so we what. We, so we've gone quite a bit, a long yeah, time. Yeah, we have. Was, we're at 30 minutes, so we're gonna we're gonna move on um, to our next episode. Talk about our next episode. Next episode is going to be talking about rejoicing through trials. We talked a little bit about it during this, but thank you, Dad, so much. This was a really fun episode to talk through. If any of you have any questions. Um, I do know this is touched on a little bit in Dad's book, Raising God's Kids in Sin City. You can get that at davidtice.com. If you would like to order through that, you just go to davidtice.com and you can order through there and that will be sent out to you immediately. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, this is Tice Talks. Which is more than a conversation.